Tanisan and the Cockroach Murders. And so it was that Tanisan found herself sitting on her living room sofa next to a giant cockroach watching television. Even for her, this was a strange and unsettling experience for which there was no real precedent or etiquette. So for a while, she just sat there gazing fixedly at the screen in an effort to maintain the illusion that everything was as it should be, when plainly it was anything but. Nonetheless, there were times when she simply couldn't resist the urge to steal a glance at her strange companion. And on those occasions when she wasn't doing so, she had the very definite impression that it was. This seemed to suggest that the creature was just as perplexed as she was. However, any similarity ended there. For unlike Tanisan, the cockroach was an unusually large specimen, with a shiny black exoskeleton and long swooping antennae that brushed the floor. Its spiny lower legs were crossed, presumably in an effort to affect an air of nonchalance, but it didn't know what to do with the others, so they were constantly fidgeting about. Still at a loss, Tanisan began to wonder how long she would have to go on sitting there for the sake of good manners. But when the next commercial break came up, the atmosphere in the room was so tense that she felt compelled to say something just to break the ice. May I offer you a cup of tea? she inquired, without actually looking across at the Kafkaesque monstrosity. Yes, please, said the cockroach, in a soft, unassuming and rather refined voice. That would be most refreshing. Now, I'm sure that a listener of your obvious sophistication and impeccable taste has already deduced that this was a dream, so I'm not going to insult your intelligence by pretending otherwise. The fact was that Tanisan had spent the better part of that day killing cockroaches, which were a particular menace during the summer months, and this motif had carried over into her unconscious. Still, I wouldn't go so far as to attribute it to any feelings of guilt on her part. Exterminating these small yet highly resilient pests was a duty as far as Tanisan was concerned. She'd read somewhere that cockroaches would inherit the earth and had mistakenly construed that this would come about as a result of one great final battle between them and humans. It made sense then, from her point of view, to be one step ahead. And step, of course, was the operative word because stepping on them was her preferred method of dispatch, though by no means her only one. Chasing and whacking them with newspapers also met with some favour, as did dropping dictionaries on them, or spraying them with all of the latest foams and insecticides. Indeed, as she stood in the kitchen making tea for her well-spoken guest, she happened to notice that there was a family-sized can of Dr Ichibangase's Superpower Gokichan Bye Bye Spray sitting on the shelf next to the cooker, so she hid it in the cupboard for fear of causing offence. And then another thought occurred to her. Why on earth was she trying to protect the feelings of a cockroach when what she should be doing was fulfilling her obligation to her own species? But this presented her with a bit of a problem. All the tried and tested methods of stepping, whacking and spraying wouldn't work in this case because the animal in question was far too big. But then she had an idea. Padding over to the closet, she rummaged about inside until she found her trusty baseball bat. She then tiptoed into the living room, took up a position behind the sofa and administered three great whacks to the top of the insect's head, right between the antennae. Thwack! 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 The cockroach gave a kind of shake, 
fluttered its wings and turned to her. Yes, it inquired innocently. This called for some further improvisation on Tanisan's part. Sugar, she asked. A big pardon, asked the cockroach. Do you take sugar in your tea? Oh, yes, please, replied the bug with what might have passed for a friendly cockroach smile. Twelve teaspoonfuls, if it's not too much trouble, and uh, a smidgen of milk. With that, it turned back to the television because something exciting was happening on screen. No sooner had it done so than Tanisan hit it again, only harder this time. Thwack! 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 Once again, the cockroach did that odd shaking thing with its head before turning to her with a bemused expression. Is it me or can you hear a knocking noise? it asked. No, said Tanisan, forced once again to ad-lib. I think it's coming from the television. Oh, right, said the trusting insect, which then switched its attention to the action on screen. Tanisan decided to give her whacking idea one last try, so she raised her bat high above her head and brought it down with every bit of force that she could muster. Thwack! 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 No, said the cockroach, now convinced that it had been right the first time. There's definitely someone at the door. I'll get it. With that, it jumped up off the sofa and scurried out into the hallway, no more troubled by Tanisan's assault than a humpback whale would be were it to come under attack from a small, angry and somewhat asthmatic plankton. Disheartened but by no means defeated, Tanisan put the bat to one side and went back into the kitchen. Then as she was pouring the tea, she had another idea. She reached into the cupboard for the bye-bye spray and squirted as much of it as she could into the cockroach's brew, mixing it in with the sugar to mask the taste. When she then returned to the living room with the tea things, she fully expected to find the insect back in front of the television. However, this was not the case. Instead, it was busy tidying the room, which was a remarkable thing to see. With one set of legs, it was plumping up the cushions and vacuuming the carpet, while the others gathered up Tanisan's DVDs and gossip magazines. She watched in horror as it sniffed a piece of perfectly good cheesecake and threw it away. I was right, it said, meaning the knocking noise. It was just some crabs collecting for charity. Anyway, now that I'm up, I thought I'd better do something about all this mess. I'm afraid I've let things slip a bit. With that, it held up a couple of Tanisan's favourite boy band CDs. I mean, just look at this rubbish, it said. Absolutely disgraceful, and certainly not the kind of thing that any guest should have to put up with. Guest? echoed Tanisan monosyllabically. Why, yes, of course, said the creature, and very welcome you are too. All right, I, I was a little surprised when you just turned up out of the blue, but now that you're here, I want you to feel at home. Mi casa es su casa, as the Spanish cucarachas say. It was then that it noticed the tea things and gave a chirrup of delight. Is that for me? it asked, eyeing the poisoned infusion. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So saying, it grabbed the blue and white cup between its spiny legs and downed the concoction in a single gulp. Mmm, delicious, it remarked, with a satisfied click of its mandibles. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to search the drains. I wasn't expecting company, so there's not a scrap of food in the fridge, or under it for that matter. In the meantime, please make yourself comfortable. With that, it scuttled up the wall and out of the window, showing not the least symptom of drowsiness or ill health. This left Tanisan wondering 
why it had seemed fit to regard her as its guest when in fact the opposite was true. But when she then came to examine her surroundings, she realised that the situation wasn't as clear-cut as she'd first supposed. Superficially, it was her house, but there were a number of important differences. For one thing, there were piles of leaf litter in the corners of the room, along with large patches of mould that had spread across the walls like some sort of skin condition. And then there were the changes to the fixtures and fittings. On the bookshelf, there was usually a portrait of Tanisan Senior, presented to Tanisan on the occasion of her 50th birthday by, yes you guessed it, Tanisan Senior. In this case, however, the frame was the same, but the photograph had been replaced by an exuberant selfie of three backpacking cockroach nymphs perched on top of a chalky dog's dropping. Faced with the possibility of an insidious cockroach takeover, Tanisan hurried through into the kitchen and searched the drawers for a suitable weapon with which to defend her territory. The first thing she laid hands on was a stainless steel vegetable chopper, so she took it out and swished it about a bit. Perhaps she could wait until the cockroach was sleeping, creep up behind it and chop its head off. But then she remembered how a cockroach could go on functioning without its head, a characteristic that it shared with some ghosts and most council workers. Then she noticed that there was a set of car keys resting on the window ledge. So she pointed the remote at the silver grey K-car parked outside and the headlights flickered. This gave her an idea. But in order for that to work, she would have to get her hands on some alcohol. Luckily, she knew where she could find some. Clambering up onto a chair, she reached into a cupboard where among the cobwebs and slime, she found a large bottle of supermarket sake that her cheapskate mother had regifted to her as a very expensive New Year's present back in 2001. However, she'd only just wiped the gunk off the label when the cockroach came scuttling in through the door. It was carrying a pair of shopping bags stuffed to the brim with bits of rubbish and rotting food. Have I got some tasty treats for you, it said, as it placed the various items on the table. Just look at this. Child's hair and toenail clippings. Only the very best. Non-specific meat and vegetable matter. There's, uh, there's quite a lot of that. Fetid cheese. Cigarette butts. Coffee grounds. Some sort of surgical dressing. Don't quite know what that's for. Oh, and I've even got some old corn plasters that we can lick the glue off for afters. Mmm, yum, said Tanisan, valiantly masking her efforts to hold on to the contents of her stomach. I can hardly wait. But you know, as you've been so kind to me, I really think that I ought to do something in return. How do you mean? asked the cockroach. Well, she said, I happen to know of some very interesting Jamie Oliver recipes for coffee grounds and toenail clippings. I'd love to try one if you'd allow me to. Honestly? said the cockroach, who was really rather touched by the suggestion. You do that for me? Why, yes, of course, said Tanisan. Now, why don't you go into the living room and put your various feet up? I'll let you know when it's ready. So, Tanisan donned an apron, a nose peg and a pair of rubber gloves. Then she warmed up some cooking oil in her largest frying pan and began adding the noxious ingredients one by one, using a pair of very long kitchen tongs. First, she dropped in the non-specific meat and vegetable matter, mixing it in with the cigarette butts until they were nicely browned. Then she added a hunk of fetid cheese, garnished with coffee grounds, sprinkled in some hair and toenail clippings, and in a final culinary flourish, emptied the entire bottle of sake over the vile, stinking concoction. 
Come and get it, she called out once the evil mixture was simmering gently. The eager arthropod came bounding into the kitchen, its willowy antennae waving excitedly. Mmm, it said, that smells fantastic. But then it happened to notice that the table was only set for one. Aren't you joining me? it asked. Uh, no, said Tanisan. I sneaked the odd nibble while I was cooking. It's all for you. So with no further ado, the credulous cockroach dived straight in, its powerful jaws going to work on the liquor-soaked garbage. Every now and then, it would make some appreciative noise or compliment Tanisan on her cooking skill. But as the alcohol started to take effect, its conversation became ever more expansive and slightly slurred. You know, it said, I've never really understood why our two species can't, you know, just get on. I mean to say, it's, it's a big world, isn't it? There's room enough for everyone. Even the, um, what are those small things called? What things? asked Tanisan. You know, said the cockroach. Small, buzzy, flying things, bit jumpy, always gossiping. Bees? guessed Tanisan. No, 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 said the cockroach. Bees don't gossip. You'll be lucky to get two words out of a bee. Now, the ones I'm talking about are, are smaller than that. Oh, come on, you know what I mean. The black ones with the faeces fixation. Two wings, red eyes. Flies. That's it? Flies, said the cockroach, waving an unsteady feeler in her direction. So, OK, they may not be the most hygienic of creatures, but my philosophy is live and let live. After all, we all have a right to exist, don't we? Each to his own. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours, as, as our thirsty friends the mosquitoes like to say. And let's face it, I'd rather break bread, or indeed wind, with a flea, than any number of wops. Don't you mean wasps, said Tanisan. That's what I said, slurred the bug. Wops. Now there's an animal that brings absolutely nothing to the table as far as I can see. All they do is fly about stinging people nilly-willy. What's the point of that? I mean, fair's fair. You don't hear many songs about wops, do you? I suppose not, said Tanisan, who couldn't quite see what music had to do with it. But then you don't hear so many songs about cockroaches either. You're kidding, aren't you? replied the boozy insect, swaying uncertainly from side to side. What about la cucaracha? Tanisan shrugged. Never heard of it, she said. You what? said the cockroach, rising clumsily from its seat. Well, that's easily remedied. It's OK, said Tanisan, in a futile attempt to prevent the bug from breaking into song. You don't have to... But it was too late. The cockroach, now in a very wobbly standing position, endeavoured to strike an operatic pose, raising two of its right arms in a grand sweeping gesture. When it opened its mouth, though, all that came out was a big burp. Beg pardon? It apologised. It cleared its throat and tried again. La cucaracha, la cucaracha. Ya no puedo caminar. Its voice trailed off and it staggered back a couple of steps as it tried to focus its attention on a certain spot on the tabletop. Tanisan followed its gaze, but she couldn't see anything at all. Ha! said the cockroach pointing at this invisible spectacle with one of its spiny arms. Look at all those caterpillars riding around on their shiny new bicycles. You can see their little legs going. With that, it collapsed heavily onto the kitchen floor. With no time to lose, Tanisan grabbed the car keys and made her way over to the inebriated bug, 
which was lying on its back, snoring loudly. In spite of everything, she was actually starting to like the wretched thing, but then she remembered her duty to her own species. So she put aside the finer feelings and steeled herself for the task ahead, disagreeable though it may be. First, she tried to lift the creature, but it was far too heavy for her. So she then tried dragging it by the antennae, which was sturdier than they looked. In so doing, she managed to get it as far as the front door. Once there, she peered out into the street to make sure that the coast was clear before hauling the insect along the pavement to the passenger side of the K-car. She had difficulty getting it in, so Tanisan took a step back from the problem and considered the physics of the situation. Then taking the bug by the tail end, she began to rock it back and forth on its curved thorax. At just the right moment, she stomped on the end of the abdomen, causing it to flip up against the side of the car. But the sudden impact between the door and the cockroach's face caused the insect to come round. Oh, it croaked as it looked about bleary-eyed. Are we going on our holidays? Fortunately, the befuddled roach managed to stay conscious just long enough for Tanisan to get it into the passenger seat. Then once she'd got the seatbelt around it, she went over to the driver's side and climbed in. The scene changed and she found herself motoring along a lonely mountain road with the giant creepy crawly fast asleep in the seat next to her. She carried on until she came to a deserted lay-by. Then she pulled over, got out and walked round to the flimsy crash barrier. There was a steep drop down to a canopy of trees. Keeping an eye out for any passing vehicles, Tanisan headed back to the car and squeezed in next to the bug on the passenger side. With her back pressed against the door, she used her legs to push the armour-plated beastie across to the driver's side before taking off the handbrake and climbing out. She then went round to the back of the vehicle and pushed on the tailgate with all of her might, hardly able to believe that she was having to go to all of this trouble just to get rid of one cockroach. At last, the little K-car began to roll forward, slowly gathering speed, so that when it hit the wooden barrier, it crumpled like matchwood. As it careered down the slope into the darkness, there was a crashing of branches, a crunching of metal, and then silence. Afterwards, Tanisan felt a little bit ashamed of what she'd done to her new friend. Then she felt hungry. And then she started to wonder how she was going to get back to Ikebukuro with no means of transport. However, that was the very least of her problems, for no sooner had she reached the main road than she suddenly found herself surrounded by police cars, their lights flashing. To make matters worse, all the officers inside these vehicles were roaches, as were the occupants of the ambulance, the fire engine, and even the NHK news van that turned up shortly afterwards. Indeed, Tanisan was faced with the highly disagreeable prospect of being the only human in a world of cockroaches, a possibility that hadn't actually occurred to her up to that point. And now the scene changed again. This time she found herself in a police identity parade with four suspicious-looking cockroach characters of various shapes and sizes. Being the only human, she stuck out like the back end of a baboon, so in order to create something like a level playing field, they dressed her up in a little cockroach costume, consisting of a tight-fitting body stocking with a hole for her face. To this, there had been added an extra pair of legs and a set of antennae. But all in all, it was a pretty unconvincing disguise. Now, just take your time, said the detective to the witness cockroach. There's no pressure. Look at the lineup 
and just tell me if any of these suspects remind you of the person you saw driving along the road. Oh, uh, well, uh, I can't be sure, said the witness bug, who was really a rather timid creature. It was very dark, and it all happened so quickly. He then stopped in front of the tall, thin cockroach standing next to Tanisan. I suppose it might have been this one, he said, pointing a tremulous feeler at it. What? snapped the detective. You're kidding, aren't you? Uh, beg pardon? Oh, uh, well, what I mean to say is there's no need to rush into a decision, said the detective, modifying his attitude somewhat. Just think back. Was there anything unusual about the appearance of the driver? Uh, in what sense? Well, did they look different in any way? Did they stand out from the crowd? In the way they were dressed, you mean? Well, yes, yes, there is that, I suppose, the detective conceded. Or something more physical? Do you mean scars and such? asked the witness. Scars? Yes, that, that's, that's one possibility. Or perhaps something a little more fundamental? The dim-witted witness cockroach moved along the line and looked Tanisan straight in the face. Well, now that you come to mention it, there was something, he said, although I, I can't quite put my finger on it. OK, said the detective, who was making a tremendous effort to stay calm. That's fine. And there's no one here, right here in front of you, that jogs your memory. The witness continued to gaze at cockroach Tanisan, who of course gazed back. But then he shook his head doubtfully. I'm sorry, he said. I wish I could be more helpful. The thing is, my mind tends to go blank whenever I'm stressed. I can't help it. But now I'm starting to think that there was something decidedly uncockroachy about the driver of that other car. Good, nodded the detective. That's very good. Now, just think carefully and tell me what it was. Well, said the witness, now I'm thinking, and please don't hold me to this, that it may not have been a cockroach at all. It may have belonged to another species. Excellent, said the detective cockroach, very encouraged by these words. Go on. Yes, said the witness. I seem to recall that it was a cicada. A what? No, not a cicada. A beetle. A great big black stag beetle with huge antlers. Antlers and a hat. Yes, he was definitely wearing a hat. A snap-brim fedora with a black band. I'm absolutely sure of it. Well, by that stage, even Tanisan was sick and tired of having to stand there and listen to this nonsense. Oh, for heaven's sake, she complained, unable to contain herself any longer. What on earth are you talking about? Shikadas? Beetles? It was me, of course. It was me. As soon as she said this, the scene changed once more, although Tanisan remained dressed in the same silly cockroach costume for some reason. Now she found herself in a courtroom, surrounded by police roaches, court officials and members of the cockroach public. Directly opposite her stood the public prosecutor, a thin, rather stern-looking insect in a pinstripe suit. At the time, he was just coming to the end of his cross-examination. So, he said, you freely admit to the willful murder of Cockroach Ken on the night of the 15th. I do, said Tanisan, who had promised to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. However, she said, I would like to add that he was by far and away the most charming cockroach I've ever come across, though that's not saying much. At this, an angry murmur went up from the gallery. And this was not the first time, was it? prompted the prosecutor, spurred on by the public reaction. 
Would you mind telling the court how many other cockroaches have fallen victim to your pernicious ways? Nineteen, cockroach Tanisan proudly declared, failing to demonstrate even the slightest remorse, the one thing that might have resulted in a more lenient sentence. But then, of course, she realised her mistake. Oh no, she said, what am I talking about? It's the other way round. Ninety-one. At this, a collective gasp of horror went up from the crowd, which the prosecuting counsel wasted no time in capitalising on. Yes, indeed, he said, raising himself up to his full height. No less than ninety-one innocent victims, men, women and children, all dispatched with the same chilling nonchalance that we have witnessed here today. I hesitate to linger on the sheer brutality of these crimes. Whole families wiped out by slow-acting insecticides. Highly decorated war veterans crushed beneath weighty tomes. Countless old-age pensioners chased and whacked and trodden on. What can I say? shrugged Tanisan, addressing the public gallery. That's my favourite. And for what, may I ask? continued the prosecutor, now in full swing. Simply because this monster has deemed our species to be nothing more than a household pest, when in fact we were here long before her kind and will still be flourishing when they have gone the way of the dodo. Well, pass me a weighty tome and we'll soon see who lasts the longest, counted Tanisan, rising from her seat. She was immediately restrained to the sounds of boos and hisses from the gallery. In fact, such was the uproar that the chief judge had to bang his gavel several times to restore order. Silence, he barked. Silence, there will be silence or I shall clear the court. He then turned to Tanisan with a very grave expression. Cockroach Tanisan, he began, you have been found guilty of the charges brought against you. Therefore it is my painful duty to... Wah, 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 went Tanisan with her hands over her ears. The judge ordered for these hands to be removed before continuing with the sentencing. And so it is my... Whee! squeaked Tanisan, who had somehow managed to wrestle them free again. There was a tussle between her and her escort. Tanisan managed to knock off several hats, pull on antennae, and deliver a few well-aimed kicks at various hindquarters and abdomens before she was finally restrained. Nonetheless, the judge deemed it wise to expedite the proceedings. It is my painful duty to impose the strictest penalty the law allows, he continued, only louder and faster. It is therefore the sentence of this court that you will be taken from here to a place of execution, where you will be humanely splatted, unlike the cruel and callous way that you have splatted others. And may God have mercy on your soul. Proceed. And so Cockroach Tanizan was led away, punching, kicking and blowing raspberries. What I would like to say is that she met her fate with great dignity. However, dignity was always the first casualty whenever Tanisan felt cornered. She was still kicking up a hell of a ruckus as the guards dragged her across the courtyard to the place of execution. At one point, she managed to slow them down by grabbing the legs of a journalist bug who had been sent there to report on the proceedings, pulling him off his chair and onto the ground. And it was only with a monumental effort that he finally managed to extricate himself, though in so doing, he forfeited his trousers. The great grey splatting machine was essentially a huge fly swatter that could be cranked up into a vertical position and then released by means of a lever connected to a spring-loaded locking mechanism. Still struggling against her oppressors, Tanisan was bound hand and foot to the base of the structure, directly in line with the flat part of the swatter, on which were inscribed five simple words written in reverse. 
These were designed to print a message on the condemned person at the moment of splatification. It read, T ekil oi u ease. See how you like it. Mercifully, it was all over in moments. On a nod from the governor, the executioner stepped up to the lever and yanked it back. There was a great, soft whooshing sound as the formidable swatter came hurtling towards Tanisan. So she screwed up her eyes and braced herself for impact. And then she woke up. As I said at the beginning, it was just a dream. Remember? In fact, Tanisan woke up so quickly that when she sat up in bed and looked around, she found that she was still wearing the cockroach costume. Nonetheless, she was so relieved not to have been splattered that it was like a whole new beginning for her. All at once, she had a warm, fuzzy feeling for the world and for all the creatures in it. She loved the elephants and the slugs, the pigs, the frogs and the bacteria. She even loved the stray cats that did their business in her garden. In fact, such was her love of all living things that she jumped up out of bed, went sailing down the stairs and out into the garden to commune with nature. At the time, William was skulking about in the bushes next to the ginkgo tree. But as soon as he saw what was ostensibly a giant cockroach bounding towards him, he jumped the fence in a single leap and went hurtling across the neighbour's yard. So Tanisan turned her attention to the tree itself and was enchanted by the sight of a sparrow which had alighted on one of its lower branches to sing a happy song. She took a step towards it and held out her hand in the hope that it would fly down from its perch and land upon her finger. At that moment, however, a small black crawling thing with six legs emerged from beneath a stone and scuttled across the path in front of her. So she trod on it. Yes, perhaps I should explain that this newfound love of life extended to everyone and everything, except cockroaches. <laughs>